0: Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Becoming Multidimensional. I am so excited. I know I say this every week, but I am really, really, really excited about this episode because we are going to be covering something that is so central to my being. It really is the pulse of who I am. So, And it's changed my life. So I'm hoping that this you know, resonates and helps whoever it is meant to. Um, By the way, this is Eliza and Christine. And we just want to welcome you today because our topic is channeling.
1: Yes. We're talking about channeling today. And just so you know, we are all so lucky to be having this conversation with Eliza. Eliza, for those of you who don't know, is like a world renowned, international, very successful channeler of spirit. She is, she's, she's flatly brilliant. And so having her perspective on this conversation is really, um, is really a treat and you should really deeply listen to the words she's about to say about this topic. I'm certainly excited to get to hear what she has to say.
0: Thank you so much, Christine. And I, you know how I feel about you. You are such a brilliant channeler. I don't know if you identify that way, but to me, that's what you are because we're going to talk about how channeling is not, uh, a a very binary subject and how it really is very all-encompassing. And I feel like we're going to do a bit of demystifying it, explaining what it is, and also in our explaining, explain how this is something that is so beyond really our
1: own human understanding. Yeah. So, and for the sake of today's content, we could talk um, for like seven hours on this topic. And we know you don't want to listen for seven hours, seven hours of us talking would be sort of a challenge. So we, this will probably be a two, maybe three part series. So just so you know, today we're, we're going to describe something that is not, um, the word channeling for today. We're going to talk about it in this way of more of a union with your higher self, with spirit as opposed to the trance channeling and trance channeling is where you sort of step aside in a way and a being may come through and talk through you. I've seen some incredible, I've had it happen to me, um, I didn't, Is why I went to Arthur Thinley because I was so stunned at this experience. Um, um, and I, I have seen trance channels. It's faces of change. There's a lot to say about trance channeling where you're not as merged and involved, but you're the, their human soul is set aside and some other being is really talking through them. So for today's conversation, we're not doing, we're not diving into that. For today's conversation, we are talking about communication. We are talking about um, moving to a state of being inspired. What does the word inspired mean? Inspired is in spirit. So we're talking about getting into this flow state, this inspirational state of communication. And so how does this relate to being multidimensional? Not everyone wants to be a channeler of spirit or do automatic writing or those sorts of things. And that's great. But I think we all want to be great communicators. At least I, I hope we have an interest in that. Um, and the biggest part of being a great communicator is being a great listener. And so this is where learning this aspect of channeling, understanding it more. I mean, listen, if you can channel spirit in other realms, like you can read other people unbelievably well. You can hear the energy behind the words that they're saying, you can feel them. You you have a much deeper understanding and your ability to communicate is so much more powerful because your listening skills or like the acuity with which you listen is so sharp and so high. So there's a whole range between just wanting to perhaps be a better communicator to, I want to be a trance channel. Um, so there's an, everyone in between. So I think this conversation is really relevant to everybody.
0: I'd love to add too, that there are, are other categories as well. Like if you look at brilliant composers, you look at brilliant writers, you look at brilliant artists, where do you think that inspiration is coming from? You know, I don't think that there's one answer, right? It's it's only this or it's only that. But I really do believe that there is divinity in in those masterpieces, whether it isn't, you know, a, a beautiful art piece or it's a symphony whatever it is, I, my personal belief is that that energy is coming from beyond our human realm.
1: I agree. So you mentioned, you mentioned poetry in particular there. Um, This, I'm compelled to share a story of transformation because it's really pretty amazing. So yes, I also believe that this, when you move into the state of pure inspiration, the state of flow where you're connecting, you're allowing something to move you through you, that that's where you achieve this incredible beauty, right? So why would you be interested in taking this journey of transformation? So I'm going to tell the story of the 13th century Persian poet Rumi, because I think his story is a really beautiful story and it's a story of transformation. And through his devotion through his dedication to divine union his masterpieces he wrote 65,000 passages that were so divinely inspired that those passages to this day they have like flowed like water through the ages and you feel the essence of him you're moved in this way where it's like Almost a fragrance, right? You almost can like smell him, feel him through these words of this incredible divine inspiration. So, Eliza, are you okay if I take a minute to share Rumi's journey of transformation?
0: Of course, and I just have to say that I'm already inspired. Spirit has already inspired me. So after that, I have some things I would like to add. But okay. yes,
1: I want okay. you to take the floor and 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 really share this amazing. Talk about. We're going to talk about rumi's rumi's story so rumi did not begin his life as a poet he was born like in 12 something and um he was born to a sort of prestigious family his father was a theologian and he was a jurist so he gave out fatwas which is sort of rulings on islamic law and although he was this theologian um, and a jurist But he also studied Sufism, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, And that's the mystical aspect of Islam. So Rumi had an understanding. It was in that this mystical arts were in his house. So I'm not sure if his father died or retired or Rumi ends up taking his father's place. And he becomes uh, the jurist, giving up was, And he... um, is like a preacher he's and he's reading from religious texts right so and he's essentially becomes this 13th century influencer right so he's at the celebrity status everyone loves him he goes and he reads from his books like hordes of people come and gather around him and after a while he has this realization of wait celebrity this is sort of a trap I, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I am out here preaching. I'm reading these words from these books. I'm reading to people about escaping from the shell of our human confines. I'm reading about having this divine union with God. And I'm speaking the words, but I'm not feeling it, right? I am I think he probably had a little bit of imposter syndrome, quite honestly, right? So he was feeling very dissatisfied with what he was doing and with his life. And he wanted to sort of leave the celebrity behind. And I'm a firm teacher. So I'm a firm believer that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So Rumi is ripe for a mentor, right? And in comes this scruffy, like, vagabond rebel in a robe named Shams. And Shams is this like very free thinking mystic he travels from town to town and he doesn't want followers. He doesn't want gifts. He's really a much lower status than Rumi. People didn't really love the friendship that they developed. Um, but he was even given the nickname bird because he would just bounce around. And he and Rumi met and there was just, like, this like collision of of this quest. They each were so uh, devoted to wanting to understand this divine union with God. So shams is 22 years older than rumi and they start working together and shams begins to give rumi these challenges i mean even so much where he tells rumi that he wants him to walk through town carrying a jug of wine well wine is illegal in islam and rumi had been a jurist giving out these thought was so for rumi to walk through town with a jug of wine, was him, he, he asked him to do this. It's like, show me how liberated you are. He was trying to liberate Rumi from the confines of his mind. Show me how liberated you are by walking through town, being willing to give up your good name. Can you do that? Are How liberated are you? Now, I don't know if Rumi, can, I don't, there was a story of him challenging that. I don't know exactly if it happened or not. Um, And then he would be talking to Rumi and he would say to Rumi, um, and Rumi would answer him with passages from, from verses, from, you know, from texts. And he said, stop. I don't, I don't, I want to hear your words. I don't want to hear you reading to me from passages. What do you have to say? And so this two year experience of this devotion and Rumi um, being willing to transform, being willing to, dissolve the confines in his own mind led to him, I think, really achieving the state of divine union and letting this incredible beauty pour through him that we still appreciate today, that we're still moved by today. Um, And he called Shams, they only had a two-year friendship, he called Shams um, his doorway to the sun. And some of the practices that that Shams gave to Rumi to help him do this was one, um, it was a practice called Sama. And Sama is the practice of deep listening. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about this really deep form of listening. And so he learned how to listen deeply. And if you ever read Rumi's poetry or much of it, he calls for something called kamush and kamush, is in Persian, it tran- or Farsi, it translates to silence. So you, you hear him ask for silence because he said anything worth saying comes from the silence. So I think this idea, of this practice of Sama, to be able to not just speak the ramblings of our mind but to be able to hear into the silence to be able to hear into someone's energy to be able to hear into the energy what they're saying to us despite the words that they're saying is a really powerful practice and you just might surprise yourself by letting this incredible beauty also pour through you so that's the story of rumi and his transformation that anyone is capable of if you if you want to transform and liberate yourself in those same ways. Oh my gosh. A couple
0: key things that pop out at me as you're sharing this beautiful and really impactful story that I could spend probably hours just sitting with. Well, the first thing that I love is that you talked about the sun and in before Christine and I get on, we say a little prayer and we just kind of connect in our energies and I closed my eyes before we got on this recording and spirit showed me the sun and was telling Mm -hmm. me to connect into the energy of the sun. So I just love that little synchronicity there. The next thing that comes up for me while I hear that is the concept of attachment because attachment is something that I would say can really hinder someone's experience of channeling very clearly Mm -hmm. because channeling really clearly requires a state of neutrality, which is not something that really as humans we're practiced in or have you know, a great sort of ability for, at least in my personal experience. Mm-hmm. So that was really the work that I had to do coming from a state of really being an extremist into what I would say is much more neutral. I still have a long way to go, but in that state of neutrality, when you're not attached to an outcome, you're not you're not holding on to something, you're not really pushing your own ego or your own will or your own desire over the flow state. And what I call the flow state is really our soul's path that our soul has already laid out for us. That is like the easy path, the path that flows. But it's not always the path that we think that we should be on. So Rumi clearly had to do this this inner work and I believe that that is a beautiful example for all of us. I also wanted to share just because this to me is just like a duh about channeling and an amazing channeler who to me is also just the most incredible rock star ever and that of course is Stevie Nicks because (laughs) her song Rhiannon she wrote, well, she really channeled because she didn't know about the goddess Rhiannon and the history around the goddess Rhiannon. But people don't know that. They think she had studied the goddess and therefore she was inspired to write this song. That's not actually the case. Um, so I think, you know, Stevie's lyrics to me are timeless and have encapsulated who I desire to be as a person and as a human. And I really believe that she's a fantastic channeler. And I have a lot of stories from my own life, from my family's lives about channeling, but I don't want (laughs) to monopolize the conversation. So I'm
1: going to turn it back to Christine. I have to say this because I love you so much, Stevie. If this somehow makes its way into your, on your computer, know that we love you and Eliza, you have changed her life. So if you ever want to come on and talk about your channeling, I can't tell you how thrilled we'd be. So you have an open invite, Stevie. Come on anytime. Oh my gosh. I would literally transition to the spirit world. That would Steve.
0: be it. You'd be like, I'm out. I'm I'd out. be like, peace out. I've, I've now
1: accomplished everything that I want to in my life. Then that's, that's That's it. That's all I need to do. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about um, the history of channeling because what we're describing is nothing new. It goes all the way back to the Oracle at Delphi, right? So her history is filled with symbols and texts all about this enlightenment and awakening and channeling to some degree. So It's hard to talk about channeling without a little bit talking about your third eye. Your third eye, the seat of your inner vision. Well, this third eye, directly behind your third eye, at the geometric center of your brain, is this little gland called the pineal gland. It's about the size of a grain of rice, and it's made of these certain kind of cuboidal shapes of crystals that are shaped like a pine cone Throughout history, pine cones are known as a symbol of enlightenment. We can go back to a little history of the pine cone and why it's so significant and so sacred. Um, well, first of all, pine pine cones come from conifer trees, which are the most like ancient trees we have. They are pine cones are the precursor to the flower. Um, so they're really, really old. They're the Fibonacci sequence. They have a there's a lot to just the pine cone. But if you look back in ancient texts, the ancient Assyrians, so like 700 something, have texts all over their temple walls. There's one with these four winged gods holding pine cones. Then fast forward a little bit, we'll go to ancient Egypt. The staff of Osiris has two serpents winding its way up the staff, heading towards a pine cone. We can look at Kundalini in the, the Indian traditions. Two serpents held at the base of your spine that eventually the right conditions arise within you. Um, Eliza may have a story to share today or another day about that. Um, <laughs> that they wind up and they hit your third eye, then that activates all of your chakras. We you can look at Catholicism. Literally, the center of the Vatican has a giant pine cone, the papal tiara is like based on a pine cone. So these pine cones have been, as a symbol of enlightenment, have been shown throughout history. So what, oh, even the word pineal in the Bible, literally like the translation is face of God. So this is this pineal gland, this pine cone shape is is all we could talk, even like a whole podcast on the pineal gland and the, and the third eye. But that's just a little background of how we've had this map through the ages talking about the importance, right? For all of these cultures to have carved them into the wall, to have written about them, all of these things that they've done, there's something really meaningful there. So I look back at what were they trying to tell us? What what are the clues? What are the symbols that are being communicated? And they weren't there for themselves. They were, they put those things on the wall for us, for the people that came after them. So this pineal gland This is where the light comes in. So the light comes into our eyes. The light hits our pineal gland and it sends messages throughout our body for our circadian rhythm. It produces melatonin, which is why sunlight in your eyes is really important. We'll talk more about things you can do for your pineal gland, but for the sake of not having too long of a podcast today, we probably won't go too deep in the woods on it today, but we will. Um, So having this clear vision your third eye being open and clear so that you're able to receive and transmit clear and accurate information is a really helpful piece when it comes to channeling because if there's a lot of chaos and discord that you're not going to see the world clearly if you're not seeing the world clearly you're not able to pick up on information that is really coming from this more harmonious, it's like a state of highest wisdom. So working on clearing your field in that way is, is, is very helpful. So Eliza, do you want to share, um, a little bit about your thoughts on that, maybe your kundalini story?
0: Yeah. Well, first I have a funny story about channeling and the pineal gland because I, going back, I don't even remember what year it was, but within the last three years, I was living in New York city and I was really deep with spirit, which is kind of like, you know, if you called me up, that's pretty much always, but I remember I was really deep with spirit and they were telling me to stop drinking coffee for a time. And if you know me, you know that I love coffee more than anything, it's like my one vice in life. You know, I'm down to give up anything else, but just not coffee. I just really love the taste.
1: I can and,
0: yeah, and they were like, okay, you, you need to give up coffee. And I was like, why, why am I doing this? blah blah, blah, blah blah. Um, they led me, the, the spirit energy was leading me into doing some research. Turns out one of the things that can affect your pineal gland is coffee. But in fact. <gasps> So spirit was telling me this and then I I love to play detective and kind of do my own yeah. research. So I quit coffee for like 2 weeks. It was horrible. I was like, "There you go, spirit. I tried. I did it. Now I'm back to
1: my." So now I have to overcome that horrible thought that you just said because we're going to we're going to dispel that because I can't have that in my field or <laughs> because I love it and I can't imagine that it's like hurting my my pineal gland.
0: I know. Well, listen. If if my work is a testament to like, maybe it's hurting,
1: but you know, it's not hurting that much. Obviously. So you're still drinking coffee. Okay. I'm There's, still drinking coffee. That kind of coffee is really, really, really good for you. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. We're just gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna leave it there because I can't give up coffee. Um, but
0: I do have a little story about um, Kundalini energy yes. because. I had never heard of kundalini awakenings or anything, you know, prior to actually having one. Mm -hmm. So I literally had never heard of one. And going back to 2020, which was a very groundbreaking year for all of us, I was yet again in a state of deep meditation, deep spiritual work, blah, 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 blah. And I was with someone um, thank God, because had I not been with someone who knew what a Kundalini awakening was or um, could really like coach me through it, I don't know what would have happened. But um, I was in a deep state of meditation and all of these strange things started <laughs> happening in my body. Honestly, it was like a very out of body experience. So I don't, rem- I remember it. And then I also don't, like, I remember being. Um, on my balcony because I was like overheated and I remember like laying down and feeling my spine activate and like it was just wild and thankfully the person that I was with uh, was very calm and said you're having a kundalini awakening right now I know you don't know what it is but it's going to be okay so I had this very transformative experience And I just remember it felt like intense, but amazing, I think, because again, this was such an out-of-body experience. I can't even, like you're so in your body at the time, but now I almost see it from like a bird's eye view, but it really makes sense to talking about the activation into the pineal gland because after that experience, my whole life
1: changed. And my work changed. Like, what you had this very transformative, powerful. Like, you knew like something big just happened. I don't know exactly what it was, but like, I just had a bomb dropped on me. Like, something really big happened. So, what happened to you after? Well, it also felt like a really intense healing, which was kind of interesting because
0: I don't know if other people have had that experience, but for me, it, it weirdly felt like an activation and a healing. And I remember just my spine, like coming up and it was just wild, my neck. Like it was a whole, it was a whole physical experience. And like I said, I just felt very, it felt very out of my control. That was something I also, like there was zero doubt in my mind that I was, you know, like putting this experience on myself. Like I, I'm sure that would be a question, right? Like how do you know that it wasn't just you, you know, doing this? And I would say one, I never heard of a Kundalini awakening two, I literally felt like I didn't have control of my body, but it felt very powerful and it felt very intense and it felt very healing. After that experience, I, it was weird. It was like a lot of fear had left my system. So I felt a lot more connected into my quantum self. I was less afraid even with doing the channeling work. And I have stories about really like, intense trance channeling. And I there was a lot of fear that I was working through at that time. So it really helped with that. It helped in my personal life. Like it really changed my personal life and my work. I mean, my work completely ramped up. I feel like my discernment was better, which we're going to talk about discernment and channeling, because that's one of the big things that I would share with anyone who's going on a journey of really enhancing their own listening and their own channeling abilities is being able to discern the energies that you're picking up on.
1: Yeah, that discernment is really important because I do think there is this, this piece with channeling that there is this this idea that we are really open, really neutral in order to receive and transmit this really accurate information. However, You also need to have these really strong boundaries and discernment because what, where is the energy that you're receiving and connecting to coming from, right? So we we haven't talked, I'm not really interested in talking a lot about negative energy. I've actually had a lot of questions about it. So we may be forced to talk about it, but this boundary piece is, is very important when it comes to channeling, like keeping out the more um, I would say just uh, difficult energies, right? We'll just leave it there. Diffic- like the more difficult energies. So really connecting into like the highest realm of wisdom and knowledge that you can, but there, like like attracts like. So there is this piece of like this being really clear and really open, um, is, is important, but coupled with being clear. And if you have, if you're a person who has a really negative viewpoint of the world, like that's not going to be just within you, that's going to be in your field. So then where, where are you resonating? Where is that coherence coming from? Like, what are you tapping into? Similarly, if you're a person who's like, oh, everything is love and light, and you sort of spiritually bypass everything and just kind of pretend that everything is great, but it's really not, right? That's not honest. That's not coming from an honest state. That's also not going to, because it's not an honest place to be, that's also not going to connect you into the highest realms for you. So this is a, a movement, I think, of going sort of expanding, expanding, expanding tapping into greater and greater realms but there is this piece of like being honest with yourself about what your internal landscape is because you if if you are experiencing sort of really unpleasant thoughts it's not an energy that that space is not where you want to be receiving tapping into other energies right spirit uses your
0: frame of reference. And so this has actually been coming up a lot in my my own work with myself because I'm always on a journey of yeah. what is next, which I probably need to just kind of sit in what is now. Mm-hmm. But really enhancing my own, expanding my own frame of reference expands the work that I do channeling with spirit. And I know we've been very broad about channeling energy, channeling, you know, divine inspiration, channeling spirit. So I feel like it's very important that we kind of share a little bit more about what are the things that you can channel. And of course that is really limitless. Mm -hmm. Maybe sharing, Christine, what you feel like you channel, what I feel like Mm -hmm. I channel, and then what are some other great channelers that people can really dive into who have great wisdom
1: to share. To look to. Yeah. There's so, I mean, there's so many, there's, I mean, there's so many places on the internet where you can look to tap into people who have gotten really beautiful information. Um, so Eliza, do you want to talk about your process? Sure. Always
0: because you know, I love spirit. So, and people, my clients and people ask me all the time, they're like, well, so what really is it that you're connecting into? Mm-hmm. And I, if I told you that I know conclusively a hundred percent, I would be lying to you. But I do know that the energy that I channel, I call spirit. Mm-hmm. And it is this energy of wisdom and love. So a lot of times clients will say to me, well, how did you know that about me? And I'll, I'll just explain, like, I, I, F- felt it, or I saw it, or I heard it. And I believe that the frequency that I'm picking up on is around all of us, but it's also connecting in with our field. So, for instance, if I was, you know, working with Christine and she was feeling really happy, that would be in her field vibrating out. And then the energy that I'm reading, I believe, is picking up from her field. And then transmitting it back to me. Yeah, I also could just be getting it from Christine sometimes directly. But that's really how I understand the main energy that I read. But then I also channel, you know, loved ones that have passed away when I'm working mediumistically. Yeah. Or spirit guides. I can channel the trees. And by the way, anyone can do this. I just have done this in many lives and happen to have practiced this. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So that's really my process and I'm that's sure that'll be ever evolving.
1: Yeah. And I think that we're going to probably dive in a little bit more. Um, and I, uh, later at another episode, maybe next week, we'll talk even more about it. So for me, um, it's similar, right? So you don't know fully who always, I agree, like who you're connecting to, it could be a guide. I think quite honestly, a lot of time it's really an aspect of myself. It's really this aspect of my I'm getting information from from my soul. And it's like this what happens, it's like the the distance between me and my soul like collapses and you feel this sense of union where it's not really me channeling them or this aspect of myself, but it's like, we're together bringing through this because that time and space has collapsed in some way. Um, so I know that I sometimes feel, feel that I also can feel sometimes like they will be like spirit doctors. I know you work with spirit doctors, you know, and that's, that's a whole, that's a whole conversation. Um, especially if I do hands-on work, I can really feel, um, like they'll show me where to go, what to do, they will, they're, I, and I don't even sometimes know exactly what it is. I can just feel the work that's happening through me, right? Using my hands, that work is coming through. Um, and it's sort of these cosmic beings, right? That maybe they've lived, maybe they've been sort of earth shamans. Maybe there are these cosmic healers. Or I know I definitely can feel a sense of like collectives that come in. And that's a really interesting energy when you, like Abraham, um, Esther Hicks channels, Abraham, which is a collective of energy, right? So you can sort of begin to feel the difference. Like, oh, this is a collective. And they may give themselves a name, like, you know. Abraham. I love, by the way, sorry to
0: interject. I just, I love when those collective councils and frequencies and groups come because it is totally, you can feel the like, plur, the plural of yes. the energy.
1: Yes, you can feel like that. you can feel it's not like one being. So, um, I sometimes listen to, um, Daryl Anka who channels Bashar and I think it's, I don't know, maybe he's just a being actually. I may be misspeaking. He just, he's another person to look at. He has really interesting information. Maybe he's not a collective. There's lots of others. Lee Harris, I think he's another one. He channels some of them called the Z's. Um, so there's lots of channelers, um, who channel these collectives and you can feel the difference. You can feel it if it's, sort of um someone's relative if it's if it's i can tell if this is this is really me i can feel if it's if it's like a cosmic kind of healer so so you've you get sort of accustomed to what the different energies feel like a little bit as they're moving through you and inspiring you in spirit inspiring you
0: it's like meeting people so if you haven't met someone before it takes a minute for you to get to know them and their energy Mm -hmm. and their vibes But then the more you get to know someone, you don't have to kind of take a second to go, wait, do I know you? Your face looks familiar. Your voice sounds familiar. It's just you become really oriented with that person, that being, that collective. And that's why, too, I love working with – I have some clients that I've been working with for years, and we're able to go so deep. And it's because I'm so familiar with their energy that it's just like a friend, right? The more you know a friend – sometimes the deeper you can go. Not always. Sometimes you have a one-off experience with someone that you meet on a train, and it's like the deepest experience you've had in your entire life. And then you have friends that you've known for 20 years, and it's not like that. So it, it really varies. But that's also why building discernment is so important. And what I would say too is to start with channeling your soul. Because our soul, and going back into the multidimensionality of these conversations our soul is multidimensional and our soul really has this path for us. And this is going back to the flow state and this divine path that is really central to who we all are uniquely as individuals, again, all connected into that source energy. And working to uncover that path through channeling really helps you live the happiest and most fulfilled life. If you would have asked me Ten years ago, if I was going to, like, be a spirit channeler, I would have been like, "That is so wild! Like, I literally can't imagine that would ever happen." And
1: I have this. You we're giving prophecies on the school bus, so we—that have- was giving- <laughs> wasn't totally out of, <laughs> I wasn't Fair totally enough. out of the realm. Fair <laughs> enough. I was giving prophecies on the school
0: bus, and my dad found this sign that I made when I was like four years old that says Eliza's Psychic Shop." which I don't recall making and like, how did I even know about that? So that's all yeah, wild, but I was going uh, to NYU. I was planning on going back to NYU to get my master's.
1: You were going to be a therapist. I right? was going to be a therapist. studying psychology, right? Yeah.
0: And basically spirit and my soul and the universe just kept throwing me onto a different path. Had I not listened and said, you know what my plan is to go be a therapist and go you know, I had gotten in for my masters twice and I both times didn't end up going, which also was so out of character for me because I'm not really someone who would ever Christine knows that we make a plan, I go I execute. Like I'm not one to defer. So when all of these experiences, it was like my soul was nudging me onto this other path. Had I not listened, who's to say, but I probably would have come up with some against some blocks and some obstacles. And my path definitely has not been easy, especially in my personal life, but professionally, like it has, I'm so abundantly grateful because I've experienced so much flow that I can only credit to spirit.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, these, I think this path is not, is not, is sort of designed to have some challenges, right? And a lot of people who do this work will have, I mean, a lot of them have a dark night of the soul, right? It's it's because everything is so transformed that it takes a minute to restabilize yourself when you kind of go from one way of being in the world to a very different way of perceiving the world, communicating with the world. So that that's not an easy that's not an easy transition for most for most people, I think.
0: So. Well, thank you, spirit. And thank you, channeling, because it has given me more than just a career. I I feel peace in life. And that was not something that I ever had.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So moving It's, worth, like, it. it's yeah, worth
0: it to do the work.
1: Well, and so that is, I mean, that's, so this is the, I mean, part of the why, right? So Eliza, in her journey of transformation had to sort of remove all of these obstacles within herself, these constructs that were built within herself, these attachments that she had to dismantle this this framework within her because she was, she was sort of forced by spirit in a way to do this, I think, right? It wasn't like you had a choice, but you kind of didn't, right?
0: Um. Totally, because every time I tried to choose something else, my friends would joke, um, used to crack me up, my friend would always say, he would say, uh, Eliza's had 72 careers. He'd be like, what's what's a bigger number? And he would say some something that was like a giant number or Eliza's careers. And it was so true because I tried to do everything else. Literally, you name it, I've done it. And every time I would come up against a wall and be thrown back into spirit. And probably my personal life was like engineered in such a way that I needed my own spiritual evolution of my own spirituality to really dive into for myself. Otherwise, like, who knows if I would have survived. And then it really gave me the framework for my work.
1: Yeah. So, and you, you dismantled all of these, all of these structures within yourself and then you became clear, you became open, you became open to channel, right? To have this clear communication that can flow you from this flow states through inspiration and you see how spirit sort of um opens up the world in front of you to make it possible like clients coming in from all over the world right so yes you're on the right path it's reflected back to you that you're on you're on the right path so i think what i would say to people listening to this is if you're interested in developing your communication is looking at the areas within yourself where you have these very rigid attachments where you have this very rigid framework, how can you open, soften a little bit more? Bless you. I'm sorry. um, I know you're so brave to be like not feeling well and still be on a call. And to, to connect so deeply into like other realms, other communication to become a really great listener bringing this practice of Sama to you, um, of deep listening. So one of the ways I think when you're starting out that can be really helpful is automatic writing and automatic writing, because for me, like pen to paper is uh, your, your computer's fine. For me, pen to paper is fine. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to read this, but Eliza, if you're okay, we'll, we can wrap up with this. I had this experience that I'll share. And this was when I first, this is, I don't even know what year you were born. This was from October of 1999. I was born, born in 1996. Okay. So you were three. I was three. Um, you, you were three. Then I wrote this.
0: <laughs> so, I'm so excited. This is like the biggest treat ever. Are you kidding me? Okay.
1: So this is what happened. I, my husband and I went, um, to Machu Picchu to hike Machu Picchu. There's a whole other story. Like, there's a lot to talk about this particular trip to Machu Picchu. Eliza knows some of it. Yeah, but, some
0: of the best stories ever happened in Machu Picchu.
1: So, so um, I had been. You know, I was an anthropology major. I couldn't wait to go to Machu Picchu. I like, studied all about it. I like. I was so excited to go. So we go with our like best couple friends who I, I love so much. He at the time was studying to be a pediatrician. This guy, by the way, is so amazing. He graduated from USC with like a literature degree and went backpacking through Africa. And he was so moved by what he saw. He's like, oh, I wanna help. What do these people need? It's like, they need a doctor. I need to go back to school and be a doctor. So he literally went back, did all the biology, everything else to become a doctor. He's like over the top. So we're getting ready to go to Peru and we have a meeting before we go. And he sits me down. He's like, listen, we're gonna go to Peru and there are a lot of kids on the street and you cannot give them food. And you know, you can't give them money. And he said, it hurts them because their parents will keep them out of school. He had done all the research, like this is coming from love. He prepared himself. I mean, he had like a million school supplies. He had backpacks of supplies, clothes and supplies, right? So, and he's he's sat me down to say no money, like no food, like supplies and clothes. I'm like, okay, I'm like, all right, we're there. So we get there and we're outside of the store and there are all of these kids and they are clearly hungry. And so I cannot help it. I'm like, I went in the store and I bought him food. He's like steam coming out of his, he has good intentions, right? Because he doesn't, he thinks it's ultimately gonna hurt them. He's like, you're making yourself feel better with this. Like, you're not really helping. Like And by the way, I I don't disagree with him. I love him. It was like coming from love, but we had this clash. We had this moment of, but I can't want, like, I, I, I can't, right? So we, it was like the only sort of, it wasn't even an argument, but it was the only disagreement in a way we've ever had. And so we go to bed, we get back, we go to bed and I get in bed and I'm so bothered by the whole thing. And also my body is like vibrating like crazy. Like I am like everything in my body is buzzing. I cannot sleep. And then we're in Cusco. I'm getting ready to acclimate, to go do this big hike. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't like, I have this huge hike ahead of me. I can't sleep. Like I'm, my whole body is buzzing. I'm like aggravated about these kids laying in bed. Finally it's like crack of dawn. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going to get up. And I had like some paper and a pen. I'm like, I'm just going to write. I'm just going to see what flows through me. Like what, Like spirit, I'm basically saying spirit, help me out here. Like I don't under like I I'm I'm bothered. I'm sort of upset. I I need I need a little help here. I need a little guidance. And so this is the message from spirit that came through me on October 2nd of 1999. And by the way, this is pre-internet. This is pre like there's barely any spiritual books or anything like that. So some of the things that are that are um written in here like sound more common but at the time it was really an uncommon thing to to read myself so this is what when I sat down to do this automatic writing which anybody is capable of opening up to allow what's going to flow through you this is the message from spirit that flowed through good morning divine spirit of love thank you for reaching out to us this morning we are excited to have you here in this mecca of spiritual energy and yes you did not sleep because every cell in your body could feel it. Take this opportunity to raise yourself to a higher level. The problems that you see are not what they seem. The greatest gift you can give is to be, in capital letters, love. You are correct in that we choose our own paths. Honor the divine light in all you see. This experience has the power to be transformative. Believe you are ready to walk through the door there is nothing to fear there is only love in all its mysterious disguises feel with your heart and not with your head for that is where truth lies there is beauty all around you revel in it reveal your true being you can shed the layers that no longer serve you that no longer suit you you do not need to look outside of yourself to achieve this The power is within you. Choose your path and do not be afraid to walk it. It will lead you on a grand adventure. So that is an example of automatic writing. You may have a moment where you feel upset. You feel confused about how to move forward with something. You can sit down with pen to paper and see what comes through. You may just get your question Answered by opening up to a higher power. Wow.
0: Wow, wow, wow. I also just have to add that Christine automatic wrote backslash channeled backslash used her mediumistic abilities to channel a letter for me about two years ago at the Arthur Finley College. And I have to tell you and tell everyone today that it is to this day, one of the most prized possessions that I have. And if there was ever, God forbid, a fire like that, my leather jacket are coming out of the house because <laughs> it it was so profound. It was a letter from my grandfather and every word just, I can't even tell you, I, I've read that letter so many times when I really needed it. So I just want to speak to the power of automatic writing. And also that Christine's amazing at it, clearly. And what a Uh gift you just gave all of our listeners. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. So listen, this was part one of channeling because this is an ongoing conversation. We'll probably touch back several times on this topic because there really is, this was sort of an overview. There really is so very much to say. I think there'll be some live channelings. There'll be some, there will be a lot more with this topic. Um, and again, we are so excited to have you here. Um, I know some of our people who've subscribed, and some of our listeners. And we're so—I can't even tell you—we feel your energy. We are so thrilled to have you here with us on this journey and building the energy um, around this discovery that we're on together. We're like—we're like, we're the guides here, but this is this is a journey that we're all taking together. Absolutely. So I'll see you all next week. See you next week. Thanks for staying with us. Bye-bye. Bye.